Well, Aaron, we're back in the studio again. Back on the saddle again. And, you know, we were really positive these past couple episodes. We <laughs> we talked so nicely and pleasantly, and I feel like it's time, it's time for us to get back to our old curmudgeonly ways, really let loose and just really hate on a thing. And by a thing, I am, of course, referring to the fact that McMinn County decided to outlaw Mouse from their reading list. Um, yes, we do want to tread a little lightly here. I don't want to say. I don't want to There might be further reaching consequences. I don't want to play it safe. I'm tired of playing things safe. <laughs> I know. I know. We. I mean, I can be very negative about the Eternals if you want me to. <laughs> You know, there's a there's a lot of things that have happened in our lives <laughs> over the past month. Like, yeah, we can get really mad about these things. Maybe it's been good for us to not have this negativity in our life. Maybe it's important that we stay positive. I think the there are an outlook I've been trying to have this year, and um, you know, due to uh, getting some therapy in my life, I trying to be more positive in general. I've not been the best, but I'm definitely trying to be overall more positive do you find that's helpful to you because i know it's not you normally have a very pros and cons yin and yang sort of outlook on life if a good thing happens you don't get to hold on to that good thing a bad thing is coming just around the corner do you find this new outlook at all challenging yes extremely so uh but it's challenging in a way that is making me a better person or at least i feel like it's making me a better person as i'm doing it well, I'm glad then. No, that's it's really good then. <laughs> <laughs> I, we don't really we we don't really talk about your therapy all that much, but we do see the outcomes of it all the time. Yes, we don't talk about therapy. No, no, no. <laughs> we don't talk about therapy. <laughs> but we are going to talk about Encanto because he's Aaron and she's Elizabeth, and, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea. We're gonna have a little. Salsa, a little plug salsa party before we get into the thick of it. You can find us on Facebook at Married to the Idea. You can email us at Married to the Idea Reviews at gmail.com. You can check out our website, Married to the Idea dot Weebly, W E E B L Y dot com. We also have a Patreon, Married to the Idea, if you would like to throw some dosh our way because you love the sound of our sweet, sweet voices. Uh, and we are very happy to be in the month of February with our newest episode. Uh, we we kind of hinted at this a little bit ago. I think it was in both our brains that this is what we were going to talk about for a couple of weeks. So I'm glad that we're both here. I'm also looking forward because um, we have an idea for our very next episode. Um, we just have to make arrangements for it. Arrangements. We got to do that soon, actually. Not Get on the World it. Wide Web. The interwebs. Inter, intermanet. The intermanet. Um. <gasps> dare you sir i, I hey hey i think it's a it's screw. a screw that you've been <laughs> there's so in our kitchen there's a little pile that's aaron's pile and i don't touch aaron's pile because it's there for a reason every time i have touched aaron's pile that has been the day he's been looking for the thing in the pile and he's like why do you always move my stuff so included in the pile is i believe 
what do you call it? The thing, the very skinny thing that you put into the drill to make some really skinny holes? A drill bit? A drill bit. A broken drill bit with a piece of paper wrapped around it with the exact size that he needs to replace it. A lone screw, which is what you can hear our cat playing with in the background right now. Uh, and I think a receipt. I don't even know what the receipt is for, but I know the minute I throw it out, I will get in serious shit for it. I typically only keep receipts that I think we need. I actually have been asking for no receipts or like when someone's like oh would you like your receipt i've been saying no um because i'm actually i kickstarted a wallet um a few months ago and i'm still waiting on them to be shipped um but it's going to be a front uh pocket wallet so i'm gonna have to adjust a lot to Gotta be not real skinny. Have, yeah it's gonna be a lot skinnier so that way <laughs> i'm not having the grandpa wallet or my, even my dad wallet because i remember at one point in time that thing was thick uh yeah I'm waiting for my Kickstarter, which is a tabletop fire pit. I'm very excited about. I found this. Uh, I it's think it was called on a Facebook. Baby Firefoot, something. Baby foot or something like Some that. Some adorable, cute little brick-looking thing that you can light on fire in your house and enjoy. Aaron knows what I want, and he knows what to show me. Like, do you want this? You know I want it. Go ahead and back it. You know I want it. <laughs> So, um, yes, we've known we wanted to talk about this pretty much the day we watched this. We just haven't been able to make the time until now to sit down and say, okay, why was this movie so great? Well, I think the best part about it is that we watched Encanto, and then a month later, we watched it again. And then after that watch, I the YouTube algorithm suggested to me, we don't talk about Bruno. I'm like, yeah, okay. And I kept listening to it. On repeat all day. At the end of the day, Aaron says, so you know that song we don't talk about, Bruno? I've been listening to that all day. And we had a very Kaiser Soze meeting of the minds, dropped coffee cup sort of moment there. It was oh, my <laughs> goodness. <gasps> Me too. <laughs> uh, yes. So we're, this is going to just be a gush session. There are lots of really cool things that Aaron's been finding out with hidden Mickeys and Easter eggs and trivia bits. And, I'm, and I think we'll get to those maybe after halftime. I also have some theories I want to pose off after oh, yeah. halftime. I, I have I have a theory that I just, every time I think about it, is more and more correct. Oh, boy. Okay. I don't know. We don't know each other's there's, theories there's, yet, so we'll I see. Told, I've at least told you one theory, but there's one theory that's kind of baseless. I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. But then there's definitely a theory. I'm like, this is definitely something that's happening. Okay. Everyone has heard of Encanto at this point. So uh, no, no, actually, I. Who do you know who hasn't? Uh, so this morning, uh, Elizabeth kind of turned me on or returned me on to listening to the local uh, radio station of W uh, UTK, UTK uh, for the the University of Tennessee Knoxville, um, and they uh, had a. Uh, it's a contest where you have to stump them with a trivia question, and if you stump them, or have like a music request or mo movie request, something. It's it's a very like we want to give this away, so help us, help you type situation. <laughs> yeah. So I actually asked them a trivia question about Encanto, and I'll tell you that piece of trivia later. And they didn't know. In fact, the guy on the phone's like, "Man, I haven't seen that yet." Oh. And I'm like, oh, dude, you got to watch it. Dang college kids. Um, his partner on air, the one not answering, had seen it and even had heard about the, the piece of trivia, but didn't know how to answer it. So I stumped them both. Nicely done. Yeah. It's it's a very, very kind of deeper. Uh, it's not one that is like as well known as like 
you know, why is there butterflies everywhere or something like that? <laughs> there's there's a lot more uh, hidden things or not even hidden things. There's things just right below the surface, you know, because things just tend to drip, 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 and it just won't stop. Okay. Whoa. Oh. I got to start. I think it's got to be the music that makes the movie so good. Uh, how about not necessarily a recap of the movie, what we thought about the movie as a whole. Okay. It's good. <laughs> so, all right all right check check done <laughs> next thing next topic i'm ready for these questions <laughs> let's go rapid fire okay how about this instead of that where do you think this falls within the disney pantheon is this top five top ten where are you ranking this bad boy if it's all disney movies ever it might be top ten for me if it's recent disney movies definitely top five we are in a what i'd say a, a new golden age for me for such a long time the renaissance films were the pinnacle of disney for me uh, we're talking little mermaid beauty and the beast lion king mulan Aladdin. that whole jazz in there that was pinnacle that was peak this new recent resurgence of the past the new hotness the new hotness of the past five or six movies or so all i think belong in the same category as the renaissance films um they're all and I think it has everything to do with them being about 20 to 30 years later because everyone who grew up with those Renaissance movies is, is now, now making, yep. making these movies. Yeah. It's really incredible that way. Yes, I, I, I think you're right because there's so many people who are saying nowadays like, you know, man, I grew up with this and it's stuff that you and I grew up with, meaning that we're old as balls now. But uh, <laughs> So do you think Encanto belongs? Again, what – what list do you want? Do you want the Disney animation films? As is it better than more... Tangled? <sighs> I'm, I'm going to say no, but it's a very close race. When I say no, it hurts me to say no, because both movies are fantastic, have wonderful acting, wonderful stories, wonderful ways of how the stories end. And, I just Tangled is just a little bit better in my opinion just overall. However, Encanto is number 2. If if we're talking about Disney animated features of the or the Disney animation studio features, uh, Tangled, Frozen, Zootopia, Moana. Moana, um I would probably say right now it would be Tangled, Encanto of of this particular set. Zootopia, maybe Moana. I kind of liked Raya, not as much as I like the other ones. I did like Raya. Uh, Frozen 2, if it can be worse than the bottom, it would be. Uh, it's a hot mess, but I'm not going to lie and say I hated it. I liked it a lot while I was watching it. I, the disappointment was real. Not because I love Frozen, but I appreciated Frozen for what it was. And they had so much room to work with, and they didn't extend into that at all, it's except for a few small areas. If you look at the documentary they put up on Disney Plus about making Frozen 2, there's a lot of stuff about how they didn't have enough time to even figure out who the voice was, and that they couldn't not appease the Disney shareholders and get a movie out on schedule so they just sent it out there without any idea. <laughs> uh, yes. And, and the movie severely suffers for it. Like, they didn't take any chances with one thing. They didn't take any chances with another thing. They didn't take any chances with yet a third thing. 
And I, I understand because they didn't have time. Like, I'm not faulting just the filmmakers or just the people who are behind the movie. I, I blame all parties involved except for maybe the voice actors mm-hmm. because they didn't choose to do that. No, yeah. Poor, poor voice actors, poor actors in general get so much of the brunt of the stuff that should be reserved for writers and directors. And when you see one scene with one person, there's so much things that go into it beyond just the directing, acting, and writing. I it's mean, hard there's, for us there's to hate lighting, things anymore. There's sound design. There's editing. It's yes, it is hard. So I think, no, not impossible, but hard. So I think the reason Encanto is so good is because of the music. I think there is a certain Disney thing, and that is the musicality. A good Disney movie is a musical because musicals do best in the animated forum. I don't know. I think musicals can work in live action because there have been plenty of live action musicals that work really well. I think when they take themselves too seriously, then they're not. It's not even seriousness. It's it's literally Howard Ashman said that musicals will thrive better in an animated setting because you already have one level of disbelief suspended. You already are thinking it's a crab that can talk. And now there's a song involved in it. So for me, the quintessential Disney movie has your opening song, has an I want song, has a villain song. Uh, and this is this is definitely the the not music movie musical but the Broadway smash hit musical. The, the, this was the formula that was discovered around because you when you and I talked about uh, Cats, you talked about how this was like the first one to really have that kind of smash Broadway hit mentality. And, Cat, and Cats is a study in how effective an I want song can be because Cats is entirely villain songs. Uh, normally, the protagonist of the film has an I want song. And villains have an I am song. That's why all the villain songs are so fun, because it's all the villains just talking about how evil and how nasty they are and how cool that is. Cats has all these cats talking about who they are. They're all technically villain songs for three hours until you get to memory, which is the only I want song. And suddenly the whole musical switches on a dime. And it's like, oh, of course, Grizabella is going to win. We've been fooling around for three hours for nothing and now we hear memory and you'd have to be a fool not to be like well that's that's the song right there and that's why memory's so good say full one more time full 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 you said full three times to- or at least twice in that little triad i'm sure triad. i did i'm sure i say lots of words multiple times i like, <laughs> like words we went to a renaissance words, fair with words, a- words 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 we on. went to a renaissance fair with a bunch of friends and uh someone said something and liz just like whips around and says you fool <laughs> it was the highlight of our night, pretty much. Fool is a great word. So uh, the music, or the musicality in this is fantastic. It was written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. No surprise Ringer. there. Um, he has a way with lyrics and getting to the... He's like a mix between Howard Ashman and... Oh, I'm forgetting the other one. Alan Menken. Thank you, Alan Menken. He's like the amalgamation of the two of them, but... Not only is he that, but he's like the upgrade of what that amalgamation would be because his his lyrics have meaning beyond be what they are just trying to say. Why Moana has some really great music in it. I don't think he had as much creative freedom with that than he, as he did with, you know, with this movie here. And I, I, Disney, give Lin-Manuel a, a Disney movie already. I mean, they, they, this is it. They did. Th- this, is, this is probably it, but 
Come on. They did. Give him an In the Heights or. Uh, like, they did. Gi- <laughs> I'm sorry. It's uh, like we've okay. given him so much. <laughs> he didn't write everything. He only wrote the music. Yeah. I'm talking about he wrote Hamilton. He, I'm sure he had help He did In the Heights. He did Hamilton. Exactly. So he was. Give ha- him that time. The man deserves it. I think that it's important to recognize that not only is the music really good in this, but the choreography. They actually had a choreographer who choreographed the dance moves that the people would do. I think that's so incredibly cool. They and didn't there, have to do that. It, it was very like you could tell that the movements were based in reality, but they were able to make them fluid enough for the animation. So it's not just like rotoscoping or... Oh, um, it's always got your beer, squash and stretch. Exactly. Uh, food fight, where everyone looks like they're robotic in, <laughs> uh, because it's basically just very quickly rotoscoped. It 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 was that much. like <laughs> 7.0 for that version, essentially. But it's... Uh, yes, because I did see a little bit of that video. I didn't see everything, but I did see like how they moved and how they grooved with the music. And you can see the people animating did every beat with it dance is essential for a musical it's really important for the emotionality of it all and i'm so glad they included it uh all right aaron who is your favorite member of the amazing madrigals i know there's so many of them that is a loaded question there's a lot here i will say there's been a lot of fun fan art i've been following on instagram uh a lot of the three siblings the first generation yeah abuela's uh, children peppa, peppa julieta and bruno uh, i believe my favorite one so far is uh them trying to get each other to drink poison to see if julieta's oh, yes. magic will heal them <laughs> oh no i believe she bakes poison into a biscuit and says well will it still work <laughs> and to see what will happen after that <laughs> which is very good um, I've seen a lot for them. Uh, I've seen a lot for, uh, I, I think the one that I see the most is Dolores. She gets talked about all the time. She is a very interesting character. I feel like they kind of didn't give her her dues enough. That's why everyone's talking about her. That's why everyone likes her so much. But you leave she enough also room. <laughs> could, but she's also like the the direct reason that two major points happen in the movie. Like she well, no, we're not going to spoil. We're not gonna, She's we're gonna a bit spoil, of a gossip. Yes, exactly. For someone who listens more than she talks, she's kind of a gossip. Um we're we're not going to spoil anything in the first half. So uh, I do want to kind of come back to this, uh, the the two points with Dolores. Like, I don't think she's, like, the hidden villain of Encanto or anything like that. But it does no, show... No, that's Abuelita. That there's nothing hidden about that. Uh, and it was funny because uh, I saw one of those things. It's uh, the three-by-three three grid, and it says, thank you for blah, 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 blah. And then in the middle one's not you. Uh, and it went through, thank you for uh, teaching or reminding us about wonderful grandmothers or something like that. And it had the two grandmothers from Coco. Yeah. Which Coco herself absolutely deserves to be on the list. Her daughter, who literally destroys the guitar and, like, like is just so heady about everything. I'm curious about Disney's thoughts on this to include two movies of uh, about Mexican and Latina culture where the matriarch of the family absolutely does screw up. 
even though she's it, it, she screws up because of her strongness, because of her resolve, her strength, yeah. her, her her resolve to keep the family together. That is somehow painted like she went too far in doing that. And now look what you've done, Grandma. <laughs> I can't speak for anything because I don't come from a Latina family, our Latinx family. I am not Latinx in any way, shape, or form. But I have seen a couple people that are like, oh, it's a movie about uh, Latina. Uh, heritage and uh, families and uh, Hispanic and everything like that. Oh, it's also about family trauma. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> Check. Uh, and it's I like I I I I can see that. I mean, like my family growing up was pretty like we had our issues here and there, but we were a fairly close family. My grandmother had lots of problems, y'all. Like lots and lots of problems and like there's some things that happened near uh the end of her 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 time on this mortal coil that were still kind of uh harsh to me and but i still loved her and you know i mourned her still i am mourning her but it's one of those situations like yeah that shit happens and it i i don't know what it says about the filmmakers or Disney saying, okay, well, we can show this in a Latina or Hispanic family, but if they're, if they're not, they're evil stepmoms or dead <laughs> or the parents from frozen. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a tie Which for me between frozen two does not make any sense. I think it's a tie for me between, uh, Luisa and Camillo. Uh, the shape shifter. Uh, no. Shifter. No, the little one, little Camillo. Antonio. Antonio. Dang it. How do you keep all of these Madrigals together? There's so many of them. There's a whole song about it. <laughs> yes, little Antonio or a big, strong Luisa. I I love me some Mirabelle. Um, I think she is... <sighs> Too good for this world? Absolutely. I don't know who in my number two would be. Uh, I do love Luisa. I didn't like her as much the first time as I did one in subsequent viewings, and I understood her a little better. Um... And, of course, Isabella is just <laughs> a delight to hate uh, But or for the first part. But I don't know. Maybe Peppa because I really – I feel that. As someone who is, has issues controlling their emotions and, like, who gets mad too easy and, like, and like, like bright sunny sunshine, bright sunshine, bright and sunny. Clear bright skies, more, clear, clear skies. skies. Like, I, I feel that. And it's it's very interesting where a lot of people are, like, uh, really identifying with people, not even v just visually, but, like, how people react. Like, the dad. Um, uh, and no, Mirabelle's not, dad? Yes, Mirabelle's dad. I had a picture with him on it. Um, good God. Uh, yeah, there it is. Uh, uh, Augustine. Like, I feel for him when he's like, he stands up for his daughter near the end. And I'm like, hell yeah. Yes, King. You like, uh, and like his, and his, her mom was like trying to keep the peace, but also like trying to, you know, support her children being that middle ground who she's kind of always been, you know, where Bruno was the favorite child and Peppa was the one whose emotions literally controlled the weather. She had to be the easygoing. Like, I get that shit. Like, Every single one of these characters is understandable, and even Abuela or Abuelita is hard. You, you, that's and that's why it's hard to see the actions that she does because you see why 
the best villains are the ones where you can understand their reasoning for doing things. Like, why Thanos uh, is popular still after... I'm sorry, he's relatable? People still think he made the right choice. Ah, that's, that's great, Grant. Cool. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I can't. I can't with Thanos no more. He's done. We're doing different things now. We're going to go see uh, Satan soon, I'm sure. Mephisto is absolutely going to show up, guys, without a doubt. Don't worry. He's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Mephisto confirmed. <laughs> um, music, choreography, our characters. All right. The we, animation. The animation. So <sighs> pretty. There's so, so many pretty. little subtle details. We're not even talking about, like, visually. Just how they move sometimes. Like, how uh, Camilo, or Camillo, I think it's just Camillo, uh, he literally shapeshifts to look like his father, but an entire miniature version of his father, who his father is already a little short, so he's definitely poking fun at the fact that his father is short. Yeah. That is some straight-A awesomeness. <laughs> like, that, that, is, that is the guy who wants to make people laugh the hardest. It's so in Antonio, like, like understanding that the, the animal, how, God, I'm sorry, guys. I could gush about the animation in this movie. It's it was really so good. Pretty. It's so pretty. Uh, honestly, we haven't even talked about Casita, who was kind of a character all on their own. Yes. The, the house that they live in, which I thought that was going to be more involved than it was. Oh, we were in the middle of the first watch, just like spinning wild theories. Like, ah, I bet it's the grandfather and he's the ghost of the house. And like, I mean, sure we could have done that, but I think the way it ends has a reason for it as opposed yeah. to everything being a one-to-one -one parallel. Yeah. It's not. And I think that's the cool thing too, is none of the powers are direct parallels or anything like that. And there are some theories about the specific powers that are given too. So, do you think we should go into spoilers? Uh, no, I think we should go into the uh, the uh, sponsor dome. Two sponsors enter, one sponsor leaves. So this week we're not going to do an actual sponsor. We're just going to talk about what we talked about at the top of the episode. Unless I cut it out. Uh, but yes, oh, yeah, because <laughs> well, we did I mean, we did ramble for quite some time. Uh, but yes, you'd like to talk about mouse. I would like to talk about Mouse, and again, we're going to kind of stay fairly neutral. We can, we can talk give our personal opinions, but... The good positive thing that's coming out of this, let's talk about that then. Yes. Um, so, uh, recently there was a decision to make uh, Mouse not a part of the school curriculum, citing uh, intense situations and um, uh, nudity and uh, scenes of self-harm or self... Um, uh, mutilation mutilation funny yeah, that you'd see that in a, a holocaust book but yeah sure okay um so it was it was decided to take it out of the curriculum and not and have it not be taught which can be understood but the fact of the matter is is that there was not something to replace this and the the reason why mouse has held up after so many years because i believe this came out in the 90s is because not only is it a very poignant story, but it's so well done. The metaphor of a cat and a mouse is used uh, masterfully. Um, Art Spiegelman's story, which is comes directly from his parents who survived the Holocaust, should be shared. And it shouldn't be shared with every single child. There's going to be children who cannot handle that story. 
and this is not about them. This is about it, it, or it is kind of about them, but it's also about the kids who need to learn, who need to step up, because thirty percent of this country doubt or do not think that the Holocaust happened, and that is not okay. It should be a message to all of us that you can't sweep things that make you feel uncomfortable under the rug. It's a thing that's been said a lot, but it's absolutely true. Those who do not learn from history are absolutely doomed to repeat it. If you don't know that this happened, what's to stop you from thinking that something like this could happen again or just recognize the warning signs should something like this happen again? And of course it makes you feel uncomfortable. It was terrible and shocking and awful, and it should make you feel uncomfortable. I went to the Holocaust Museum in D.C. on my eighth grade um, band trip, and it was heart-wrenching and uh, punch in the gut walking through this and seeing what happens. The the rooms that really stand out to me uh, after so many years later was the room about Mengele and all the um, experimentation that happened during this time and the kids' room because it told the story of the kids who were taken from their homes and put into these camps um, or – you know, taken to places where they they should have never gone in the first place, and it's it it, it was absolutely heart wrenching. And but I needed to see that. I needed to experience it. You know, and and there are going to be people that eighth grade, ninth grade. It's too too. They're too yeah. young, and that's not that's not the issue at hand here. The issue at hand is that they are making a decision to ban a book. Whether uh, whether you consider that banning or not, they ban this book when it still this subject should be taught. So our local comic book shop, Nirvana Comics, decided to do something about that, as well as many comic book shops around the country. Uh, and they decided to give away a free copy of Mouse to any student who would like to receive one and learn about it. Not only that, a teacher's guide along with it to help parents and kids navigate the really tough material found inside. Uh, and what started as a, a simple promise to kids has blown up into over $95,000 raised to get a copy of Mouse into the hands of every student who would like to learn more. And it's it's not just students. It's parents who want to teach this, um, who want to say, okay, yeah, we're getting this great graphic novel for free, but it's coming with a very important lesson. Um, and I don't mean the, the 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 guy that comes with it. I mean the lesson that you learn from reading the book. And there are teachers who are asking for this. There are schools who are asking for this. And Nirvana has stepped up big to make sure that this book can get into the hands of those who want to read it. And and what's even great beyond that is that so many people they've come out of the out of the woodwork to say we want to support this. We want to help you. And the $95,000 is mind-blowing. This is – we're a little co- – or not weird. Well, I mean we are part of the Nirvana family. This is a small comic shop in Knoxville, Tennessee that has raised so much money and is has promised, if not 500 books, I think we're up to 1000 See, like it, the number keeps growing. The $95,000 and the, the nearly 500 books, uh, or if not more – Definitely more. Have just, the requests keep coming in. So, so if, you, if you'd if you like to help, 
there's a GoFundMe page set up to help support. If you would like to buy a book for a child, you can go head to the page to learn more about it. You can learn more about it through the Nirvana Facebook page. There's a post where you can go and learn. We will uh, uh, link the page in the, the post. Um, we will try to do this on SoundCloud where we normally post. Um, if not, we'll actually have we'll actually have a link maybe even to the, the GoFundMe. So, um, yes. Uh, so please, if you want to read this book, Reach out to them. Get yourself a copy. If you want to help this book get into the right hands, please uh, go to GoFundMe. You know, uh, we can't thank everyone who's helped out enough already or who has helped already enough and those who are going to help us in this. This is a such a huge deal. So I'm very proud of the work that they've done and that we've, we've been able to do at this point, and I'm excited to see – where this can go because there there's already been like well this worked out really well maybe we can try this as well so it's it's all above board it's it's such a great thing all right aaron i know you have an entire list of amazing uh, little hidden easter eggs over so there so many give me easter a couple egg. of those gems some of them that just really make you smile because i know a couple that every one of my fifth graders has pointed out to me 60 times so i'll quickly share those uh, there's the one where you can see Bruno walking around in the background of We Don't Talk About Bruno when Dolores is singing. Uh, the best part of that is when he bobs his head to the music. As yes, he, he jams the hell out. That's uh, so cool. That's quite fun. I really did enjoy that. Um, and it's the only thing they'll talk about. <laughs> um, th right now, there's a lot of uh, references to... Uh, most of the family madrigals uh costumes or not costumes but their outfits like louisa who has super strength um she has dumbbells in like the bottom of her skirt oh embroidered in that's so it's not even like it's like a part of the the design interesting um uh dolores who has super hearing or has a uh, very sensitive hearing has sound waves on the uh the frill that goes around her neck oh cool um uh, Antonio, who can speak with animals, uh, he ha actually has animals embroidered on his vest, and um, his uh, uh, the gift that he receives from Mirabelle uh, near the beginning of the movie uh, actually has animals on it, uh, including the the uh, toucan and the cheetah that we see later in the movie. The the father, um, Julieta's husband, uh, who I just talked about, Augustine. He actually wears a flower on his lapel, has one sock with weights on it, and then another sock with uh, butterflies on it. Oh, that's Representing so... all three of his children. That's so cute. Uh, Peppa has uh, uh, earrings that look like suns. I love that Peppa's hair looks like the hair of a person who is constantly battling multiple kinds of weather. That frizz is real. <laughs> uh she, uh, if you uh, recognize during, uh, we don't talk about Bruno, when they talk about uh, her wedding day. It was her wedding day. It was our wedding day. You That's were getting ready. I, I was trying to set <laughs> up did. for that. Um, He's the guy's the one who says it was our wedding day. So gotcha. we did do it accurately. And I, I love that little part where she's like, it's my wedding day. It's our wedding day. And I love how Pep was a drama queen. <laughs> yes, and Felix like knows how to stoke the fire just enough. He like he loves to poke. Who's and telling this story? I'm so my dear. I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm Please sorry go, to on. go on. Uh, he, I, I do like Felix a lot. He's he's very happy, go, kind of go lucky. Um, 
but yeah, he definitely knows how to stir the pot. Uh, but in that sequence, you see her in her wedding dress on her wedding day. And uh, if you notice, it's the same dress that she wears throughout the movie, just dyed a different color so she can wear it every day. So she's wearing her wedding dress like every day. Mm-hmm. Ah, so nice. I do love the idea of color that goes behind um, Isabella with the idea of her. Uh, you actually showed me this one, Aaron, about how when she uh, when her boyfriend, her fiance gets mentioned, a bunch of flowers are up out of her hair. And Abuela comes over and picks out the one white one out of the whole thing and throws it away like, perfect, she's my perfect child. But I love at the end how she just has so many different colors that splash all over her dress. And they're all like blacks and electric blues and really nonsense colors. It's like, she's, oh, girl, you got your first palette. You got your first eyeshadow line. (laughs) Oh, you're doing your own clothes, you punk rocker. So I just read this really cool fact. Um, In the credits, you actually see... That the woman who asked Louisa to reroute the river is uh, voiced by an actress, Sarah Nicole uh, Robles. That name may not sound familiar to you, but does Luce sound familiar to you? Oh, really? From Owl House? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was in the movie. Uh, technically, her, her character's name is uh, Senora Ozma, but... Uh, Apparently, she actually recorded a ton of, like, scratch dialogue for Mirabelle before they uh, hired uh, Stephanie Beatrice. I can see that. She would make a good uh, Mirabelle. I think that would be good. I would enjoy that. Apparently, the family Madrigal is actually, a like, a reference to uh, Belle. Like, the song Belle. The yes. song Family Madrigal is a direct reference to... Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, that is that type of song, absolutely, where it introduces all the players. It's the... Yeah, they're, you may want them to be more obvious, but they're still there. Yeah. Because there's that reference, there's the Hercules reference, there's Let It Go. I was today years old when I found out that Bruno was voiced by John Leguizamo. Yeah, yeah, you can make fun of me for that one. I honestly didn't know until today. I, I don't want to make fun of you for that because... I want to know how many people they had to uh, use to hold Lynn back from d- being Bruno. Oh, yes. We did talk about that when we were watching it. Like, why isn't Lynn voicing Bruno? Like, that sounds like the right character for him. I I, I think it would have been a tough call. I mean, like, if they had both, quote, unquote, auditioned for it. But I'm actually a little surprised Lynn isn't in this at all. You know, I, I could feel the same way, but I think... His fingerprints are everywhere. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. We, I think, I don't know if I've talked to you about this, but I think the best parts of Hamilton are its writing and story. Um, I think me and a couple people find Lynn's performance to be the least of all of the performances because there's just so many good performers in Hamilton and all of them like command your attention every time. I find his portrayal to be the least interesting one saying that lin-manuel miranda is the worst performance or the least performance in hamilton is like saying okay well iron man 2 or sorry iron man 3 and thor 2 are the worst marvel movies or cars 3 is the worst pixar movie they're still better than a lot of other things out there they're still good movies. They're good enough. Like, they beat DC, most of the DC movies. Like, it's hard when you're saying, okay, well, he's the worst player on a Super Bowl winning team, a dominating Super Bowl winning team. 
Like that's like saying me, I'm the worst player on our team that won four championships. <laughs> it's true, but it's also like I'm probably a better player than half the other people that played in that league. I was there. Of people who go and just drink and then play. Oh, uh, that that was me. I just went to drink. <laughs> I went to a drinking hangout and a game broke out. Exactly. I don't think there's a bad performance in Encanto. I'm trying to think of one that just was like lackluster, and I, I don't think any of them were. They all were really, really good. And it is truly an ensemble movie. It We have a protagonist, Mirabelle, but it does feel like everyone's going through their own mini arcs all around her. Yeah, absolutely. But And I think that's the, the nature of this movie. I think that's the nature of people who are coming to terms with the fact that they have issues within their family and how they can deal with it. So, yeah, absolutely people are trying to to work that stuff out because guess what? Shit, shit was fucked up. <laughs> There's a lot of hidden stuff, and I would recommend, you know, to go look at some of these amazing things like Bruno in the, the back of We Don't Talk About Bruno or um, – Augustine uh, actually closes his eyes in, in the flash of um, something more. No, sorry, Mirabelle's I Want It's All. Mm-hmm. Um, that waiting on a Miracle. Waiting on a Miracle. Like, th- or that Wally's boot from Wally was in, the, in Bruno's little attic area or uh, wall area. There's, there's, there's so many little great hidden details. And honestly, I can't list them all off. So let's, let's, let's talk about the theories. Okay. Do you want to do your theory first? I've got a few. Okay. Mine was given to me by a 13-year-old, but it's the most true thing I've ever heard in my entire life. So uh, <laughs> uh, the gist of it, um, okay, how do I best explain it? Because, again, it was told to me by a 13-year-old, and I've been mulling around in my head ever since. Because um, all the kids at my school are all watching YouTube videos breaking down what is the meaning behind Encanto and this and that. Actually, Aaron would get along really well with most of my kids. (laughs) They're both little Easter egg hunters. Um, So, Abuela does not have a gift. Everyone else born in the magical family line does until we get to Mirabal. She goes to have her door ceremony. The door does not open for her. And life goes on. Um, There are curious things about why is this the way it is. And um, in the end, Mirabel does save the family. um, And it's through her own kindness and honestly, a superhuman level of love for people who have been, uh, to all intents and purposes, shitting on her her entire past three years for not having a special gift like everyone else does. It's it's definitely been more than three years because she was a child and she looks to be maybe in her twenties. Even point. more so than just uh, maybe late teens. But the theory, at least from my understanding of it, is that Mirabelle and Abuela have the same gift. Abuela's gift is that she brought this miracle to her family, to her people made a safe place in Encanto for everyone. And that Mirabelle's gift is the same because she is the one who helps them rebuild the house, bring the magic back to it. Um, the evidence I thought was cool was that Mirabelle seems to be the only one who can actually ask Casita to do things and Casita will listen. 
in a way that we don't really see any of the other characters do, except for Abuela. So I'm curious. Um, I, I know that's just one of many, but I liked the idea behind it that they're not all superpowers. It's literally just being the miracle for your family, whether that's giving them a safe space or breaking down toxic barriers so you can all be a family again. That's that's tough because there there's a lot of evidence that would support that, but then also that would go against it because I don't remember uh, Abuela asking the house to do anything. I don't remember that actually happening. What I think is that Abuela's gift is being able to give other people gifts um, because my my theory is, is that her gift is the gift of giving other people gifts to uh, to to continue this miracle to help people um, because my my other theory is that Casita is her husband because it grows after he sacrifices himself and his sacrifice is what allows abuela to actually be able to either give gifts or have the house grow or you could even say the opposite like she is the the casita that is her power and her, uh uh the abuelo is the candle which is what essentially gives other people gifts but they they're all connected in in that sense of that the abuela is the house but she's not the house <laughs> abuelo is the house but he's the candle it's there there's probably a lot i don't think uh g kind of building off of your theory i don't think her so i think it's intended that mirabelle is going to be the next um matriarch because of how she handles situations and how she is able to deal with everyone else's problems and how she helps everyone in her family, how she adores everyone in her family, including her, her perfect sister. I think that's, I think that is, she is going to be the next matriarch, but I think her power is to make a house a home or to help other people. Like that is literally her power. It, it's, it's a bit abstract. Uh, and we see at the end of the movie that when she touches the doorknob, the house becomes Casita again. So I think Abuela, her and her, her and Abuela share, they're either very similar powers, uh, but differ slightly or they are the exact same power. I can definitely see that. But with Mirabelle, I just, I had it a second ago. Like, her actual power is the power to help other people, or her power is Casita, which is also what Abuela's power is. So that's that's why, like, the door disappeared, because her room is the entire house. Yeah. So it's it's tough to think about it that way, and it's, it's, it is very abstract. But um, I, I, I'm very much, I think, because some of the shots make me really think that Abuelo is Casita. Like... The reason that Casita, because no one else has any sort of power like that. No one else has like the power to make thing or make the house move in that way. Like the house is alive in some way. Now it doesn't have to be Abuela for it to be a good story, but that's just that's my theory because there's been, there were some things like when the house is falling apart near the end of the movie, um, the 
they show a shot of Abuelo's, Abuelo's picture. Mm-hmm. Maybe the house is like the love of the family. Maybe that as they get more and more fractured, the house becomes more and more fractured. I mean, that that just that just sounds like a great metaphor that this movie was trying to do. <laughs> did I just explain the movie's premise <laughs> in a way that they already did? Um, actually, let me let me mansplain it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, my other theory, or no, it's not my theory. I do not claim this one. Um, something I saw that really just struck a chord with me is um, that the original triplets, Bruno, Peppa, and Julieta. Um, are all versions of past, present, and future. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that one. I like that. Yeah, because uh, Julieta, uh, well, obviously Bruno, who predicts the future, uh, obvious. Uh, Peppa, uh, her current mood or her present mood is what affects the weather around them. And then uh, Julieta heals past wounds, so past, present, and future. But then when you move to the grandchildren, uh, specifically the five uh, of um, the, uh, I forget the exact order. You I want to say they were the senses, right? That it was uh, Dolores who can hear. Dolores who can hear. Um, well, uh, okay, so it's Dolores who can hear. Um, Camilla who can see because it's shape shifting, so sight. Uh, Antonio is tongue because he can speak to animals. Um, so I- it's Isabella would be scent because of the flowers. Scent, yeah, exactly. And then um, uh, Luisa is touch, so super strength. And if you look at it that way, they're all the five senses, whereas Mirabel Mirabel is the heart. She talks to ghosts. Six sense. Oh. <laughs> 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 Sorry, that's some. Old, old humor for you. Dusted that joke off. Yeah, be careful with it. It's an antique. It's an antique, that joke. So uh, those are some kind of cool theories. If you have any theories, we love to hear them. Obviously, we have 13-year-olds telling us about these theories and uh, <laughs> how um, this movie is trying to break the trend of the lime green uh, is evil or every villain is lime. Yeah, I evil. did notice that because... They definitely paint Bruno with the lime green, but he's not evil. Um, interestingly enough, we don't talk about Bruno is a villain song, but the villain doesn't sing it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one why it's so good because it's different. Two, uh, there's one, I can think of at least one other villain song where the villain doesn't sing it. What's that? It's not from a traditional musical. Okay, it, so. What what's the difference between the two types of musical? The the I want versus the I am. No 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 like the full full musical like there's the ones opera. No, diegetic and yes. So diegetic sound takes place inside the world of the universe of the movie of the of the place. Non diegetic is like a soundtrack, like the musical score happening behind everything. Oh okay, I was thinking like there's the ones where like the people break into songs and it it flows the 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 narrative further whereas there's another version where like the songs just stop what what is going on and it doesn't further the plot any oh sure so that's that's just musical structure it's the difference between a renaissance disney film where if you could cut out the songs you cut out the bones of the story the songs without the songs there is no story versus like sing where let's just put some songs in because they're fun and they don't actually 
further anything about the story or the characters. Yeah, see, I thought that's what diegetic and non-diegetic meant. No, it has to do with how sounds exist in the world of the story. It's from a non... It's not a a full musical. They sing this one particular song, but I don't think they really sing any other songs. If any, maybe two or three more at the most. Any Uh, guesses? Oh, um... Hmm. I can definitely think of some movies that forgot they were musicals halfway through. That definitely happens a lot, where anime movies think they can be Disney, do that, but then forget that <laughs> there was musical songs to begin with. But no, I can't think of one that comes to mind for this. What movies are you talking about with that? We'll come back to that. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll look up some specific examples. Uh, mostly it's like when a movie suddenly throws a song in out of nowhere and it feels like they did it out of nowhere. It's one of those where... Oh, that what what what's happening? And then they never come back to it again. It seems like it's put in there strictly for demographic purposes, as opposed to it was important to the story that they sing. Or like they'll throw in a couple jokes so they can get the uh, comedy musical nominations. Yeah. Um, no, the movie I'm talking about is 101 Dalmatians, because Roger sings Cruella Deville, which You're is right. a which is a villain song sung about the villain, but not by the villain. That's very good, and that's that is exactly right. Um, Which is fun, because Roger is a singer. So even though there's very few songs in 101 Dalmatians, when they are sung, they're usually sung by Roger. So it all makes sense within the world of the story. Yeah, like, I, I want to say there's one more, but I'm, I'm not think I can't think of it off the top of my head. But, like, in that sense of, like, where the song just kind of happens, like, uh, Enchanted kind of made fun of that, <laughs> like... Where Pat- everyone just busts out into song. And uh, what's his face? Just goes like why Patrick is, why, Dempsey. <laughs> why, why are you singing? What? Wait, are people joining? Did you guys rehearse this? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not often that the musical announces that they know that that just happened. Normally, it's like the end of Bell, where Bell turns around and everyone just goes back to walking, and it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, 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 here comes Mr. Skinflint. Here comes Mr. Mr. Scrooge. Here comes Mr. Scrooge. <laughs> like he turns around like oh my goodness look at the time oh heavens to me oh well just move along move along nothing to see here <laughs> that was a wonderful breakfast yes yes quite filling what should we do now mm, lunch lunch oh lunch sounds great uh yes uh oh and then the love is gone that fucking song <laughs> brings the whole thing to a crashing halt and then when they removed it it's super awkward. <laughs> it's not a month in our house if we aren't talking about Muppet Christmas Carol. Muppets in general. Muppets in general. Because if we don't, Disney certainly is not going to. <laughs> we, we gave you Muppet Haunted Mansion. You guys fucking satisfied yet? Uh, no. no. Uh, the first time we watched Encanto, we had the subtitles on. So when we got to the song that is sung entirely in Spanish, we actually knew what they were singing about. And it was, I'm so glad that we did. Normally, I'm not a subtitles person, but having that made that whole moment even more impactful. And I think that those bookend moments are like part of the best part of the movie where at the beginning, we get Mirabelle's interpretation of how the whole Casita Encanto came to be. It's, It's cleaned up. It's sanitized. Yeah. And then you get to them actually remembering and experiencing it through Abuelita's eyes. And just the horror of her husband being cut down in front of her and the the terrifying weeping and then the existential gaze into the void as she holds three children is like, what am I going to do? That thousand yard stare oh, that she has so during good. that song 
it hits it's like a sniper shot to your heart that's so good and that part was really it was so good but for me the best part about it is when they finished rebuilding casita and they've had this beautiful song the entire time using the melody from the earlier songs to build it bruno gets to reunite with everybody and they're all friends again they're building the house together and then mirabelle starts walking up uh, to the door and her family's just flanking her on the pathway and they talk about we see how brave you are we see how brave you've been and at the very end uh bruno gives her the doorknob and says you're the miracle kid let us in like that was that was the moment for me where i just lost it i um i think the moment i knew i loved this movie um I definitely appreciate it in the first time, but watching it a second time, I noticed a few other little subtle things during Waiting on a Miracle. Because I remember I looked at you, and I'm like, this is the best I want song since Provincial Life. This is like... You know what's funny about Provincial Life and Belle and all that? Like, the reprise of that song is really her I want song. The whole uh, beginning song, the whole song of Belle is just everyone else's perception of her in this town. We get a little bit of her reading her book, but it's usually it was basically everyone else talking about what they think about her. And then they reprise after Gaston gets kicked out. And she's like, I'm not going to marry Gaston. No way. Uh, and she runs up into that field. And that's where she finally sings what she actually wants in the reprise of that first song, which is just genius. <laughs> uh, so, I, yes, you're right uh, that it is genius. The waiting on a miracle and it turning out that she is the miracle at the end that little book in is very nice but i i just remember thinking about how the slow motion graphics and how it's her literally trying to come to terms with her loving and adoring this family but not being a true part of it and like she's waiting on something to make it happen uh and all I'm hearing now is uh, uh, Scrooge in my head, where he's like, "You gotta make it happen. You gotta do be the miracle. You gotta want it. Yeah, uh, you gotta want it so bad it hurts." Uh, so the and uh, the the music was really good. The oh god, Stephanie Beatrice, where have you been except for on Brooklyn Nine Nine? Because you're amazing in that, anyways. <laughs> but like her. She was so good. Perfect casting choice for this role. I was afraid of because like I only really knew her as Rosa Diaz, but she did an amazing job uh as Mirabelle. Fantastic actress. And oh god, in like the moment where they're like they're standing at the, the photograph. And she's not in it just staring at them. Like okay, I guess this is my lot in life. I've been I've literally I've been there. I've been in this situation where people were taking photos. And I wasn't there, and nobody noticed. I think Mirabel's part that she's a patient, a patient of a saint. That might, I mean, that to might live be true. that long with that family and to not grow bitter at any of them, except for Isabella. Even then, I know what Isabella's going through because that's my relatable character for the for the movie. I am the perfect golden child who everyone just expects to be perfect and wonderful and never have a problem, and no one needs to worry about her. She's fine. She's fine, and yeah. Is it every child who in 90s went to Talented and Gifted and is now aimlessly wandering through their 30s not knowing what to do? Hey, everybody. I'm We're, we're all here doing this together. Oh, God. Yeah, I wanted to be in tag. But I, <laughs> I was never talented and gifted enough. What a what a terrible way to... I, I get it. I do. I honestly do that there are kids who have gifts that 
need to be encouraged and motivated in a way that is more specialized than what they're getting in their general education. General education. But it's a weird thing to tell the rest of the student body you're not talented or gifted. Yeah. And I mean, like, I get what they were trying to do. They were trying to show the kids who were actually, they're not actually talented and gifted, but like the ones that fit this very specific mold. But yeah, it was kind of detrimental. Like, I want to be talented to give it. No, kid, you're not talented nor gifted. Okay, I guess I'll just go be a C student for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, by the way, do you know the number of a good childhood ther- therapist? Why? No reason. No reason, sir. Um, I didn't know I had a good kid voice like that. That's a very good kid voice. So, there's, oh my goodness, I. I, I know. Like, we literally could spend another hour, and we're not going to. And we will. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you thought four hours was not long enough. (laughs) We're going to keep going and going and going. I don't know why you would have watched if you hadn't watched already, but you absolutely should go watch Encanto. It was really cool to see how streaming kind of took the whole thing off, because the people who saw it in theaters were talking about it last year, and no one else was talking about it. And now it's on streaming. It has just blown up. It got so, wasn't released in theaters. Or if you, it, or when you say in, last year, you mean like the end of last year? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm like. Like Thanksgiving. Okay. Yeah. We only watched it in streaming, right? I don't mm-hmm. remember. Yeah. So I, the fact that a song from a streaming service is now the number one song in the U.S. with another one in the top 10, possibly even top five incredibly impressive it's getting there um i hope that this is the start of something new for disney it does feel that way there's a some people aaron you were saying on the internet complaining that like it's not a romance mirabelle doesn't like yeah have like anyone. oh it's not a traditional uh disney movie because there's not a, a full-on romance like there, and i think and first off there is one if you you know pay attention it's not with mirabelle but it's fucking there uh, Isabella and the uh, her fiance, but I then guess. but then it becomes Dolores. Yeah, him. I think it's it's reductive to say that the only story worth telling is that of a man falling in love with a woman, or or truly really falling in romantic love. This story is a love story, but it's about familial love. Exactly, that's one of the things that I was re- respected about with Frozen, is that it was true love's kiss, and it doesn't have to be, you know, actually true love or it doesn't have to be a romantic love there's um god i really really wish you had seen this movie but you haven't yet so we're going to oh man it would be good to watch next but i don't think we will um there's a movie and i'm not going to say anything else uh there's a movie penelope and if you've seen it Aaron, we saw penelope together I have asked you this question a few times. You're like, no, I've not seen it. And no, the, I've not seen and it. And then we did watch it together. After the, the, I think the third time that I told you I hadn't, we did watch it together. Well, we need to rewatch it and talk about it because it, it was surprisingly poignant. It's very adorable. Do you remember like the whole thing at the end? Um, well, the premise not to, of not it. Not to spoil anything. No, yeah, yet. the premise of it is that the, the it's kind of the same thing with the uh, Ella Enchanted that she just had, like, she had to love herself, honestly. She just. Like that—that that was the sad part about it was that we essentially curse ourselves, we cast ourselves aside, we love others more than we do our own bodies and and minds and souls. Yes, for Penelope, 
I don't remember that with Ella Enchanted. I don't remember like why. I know she was cursed, but I can't remember why she was able to break the curse near the end. Like I don't remember the there movie being a... differs from the book. Um, uh, okay. Yeah, in uh, it has a lot to do. Uh, most young adult books for girls in the 2000s were about learning how to love yourself. <laughs> it's almost like we treat our girls like trash and we need to give them some sort of self-confidence. <laughs> almost like. Almost like. Well, I, I hope th- this movie is one that can give a lot of people self-confidence because I've, I've seen a lot of people who are like, oh my God, that's me on screen because they, they actually see someone who looks like them on screen and I'm excited to see that. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, we're two cis white people who... Or have a middle class background, and we still enjoyed the shit out of this movie. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything about it that couldn't be enjoyed by anyone. I know there's there's just that mentality of like, oh well, if it's not a white guy, it's yeah, not, not worth telling. Yeah, it's not made for me or something. And I actually think that Encanto is a reflection of what Moana could have been. When they were talking about when they were first storyboarding Moana, it was much more of a story about uh, how Moana fit into her family of brothers as the only girl and trying to like work fit within her society and her family and their dynamic and relationships, which is a more cultural story to the people of Polynesia. And then they came in and reworked it and made it more of a, I want to go travel. I don't want to be stuck on this island. And pros and cons on that. I really do like Moana. I love the ending of it, especially just that, 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 that parting the ocean scene is so epic. And it, it makes up for any problems I might have had with it otherwise, uh, Dwayne The Walk Johnson included or not. Yeah. Um, but I, I really enjoy the, the idea and the premise behind the, um, the heroine saving and helping through compassion. I think it's important that we let our young people know and reinforce that it is compassion and caring and love and selflessness that ultimately win the day and are the most desirable and valuable traits. And I'm glad that Disney still does that. I'm glad they continue to do that through their films because there's so many films aimed at kids that just seek to pass the time for two hours or spread kind of iffy messages. Sing because two, sing two. <laughs> sing two, sing two. Uh, I was actually thinking of Trolls World Tour. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, what's the new one? The Rise of Guru? That's the one. Some seek, some entertainment is there just to entertain, and that's absolutely fine. But I think media that stands the test of time is because it has a deeper message to share, one that is relevant, and one that we can learn from. And like I, I you, you brought up a point of, um, uh, sorry, you brought up the point of having, you know, winning people over with compassion and you know patience and like saving the day but not with physical violence not like by defeating the monster but rather by defeating your own personal demons it reminded like when you said that i was like oh yeah and there's a series that we love that does the same thing steven universe oh yeah absolutely um i think it was wise to focus on that as opposed to this there's there's something I read recently, and I wish I had the source to tell you all, because that would mean I had some sort of leg to stand on. Um, but so much of movies, current contemporary movies, entertainment, is based on the idea that violence is not okay until the good guy does it. Oh, look at the bad man, and he's doing bad violence. Oh, terrible, bad, awful. So doesn't it feel so good when the good guy comes in and shoots all the bad guys and commits violence towards them and saves the day? 
it's such a 180 when it's the exact same action being perpetrated, but now that it's a person in a white hat doing it, it's all okay now. So that's why I think it really is important. This whole movie is all about the toxicity of, of one woman controlling her family, making them feel like they will forever not be enough for her. And this other woman who loves her family unconditionally no matter what and wants only to help them and and make their whole family stronger. And just to see the two dichotomy of these people eventually collapsing and running into each other in the center and realizing that we're all going to have to change if we want to fix this. We all have to become better and we have to be able to look at what we're doing to others and be willing to adjust and change and grow. What are you doing still listening to this? Go watch Encanto. You should watch Encanto. If you've not watched it yet, oh, I would hope you've watched it Please by this point. Please watch it. Watch it again. But I don't mean like in time uh, in general. I mean in listening to this podcast. Watch it again and pull up one of those lists of all the 100 billion Easter eggs and see if you can find them all. Yeah, like I, I loved it. We watched it with uh, Liz's family and I'm like, oh, there's Bruno. There he is. Oh, look, look, look. Oh, look, look. I, I, I said that way too many times. I believe he's actually in the poster, too. Yep, he just, is hiding in the poster. He's hiding in the background. Poor Bruno. Bruno just got the... He got the... Sh- he, short in the stick, my dude. Uh, couldn't even make a joke about, oh, it looks like Rain Peppa without, like, just it becoming this big prophecy that ruined their entire day. Like, and how cool is that? Like, it wasn't. I'd be, I would be honestly surprised if he didn't have a gift either. He was just like pretending it, and it all kept fulfilling itself no matter uh, what. Like he was like a con man type thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Funny. But I, I, I do like that it's a, 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 essentially a self fulfilling prophecy. Um, each time he's like he's basically saying, it's like uh, when a, a robot like predicts how things are going to happen because of logistics or because of logic dictating. Yeah. Oh, you're you're gonna grow old. You're gonna get a gut. You're gonna go bald. Your fish is gonna die one day. Like all these, all these like, things. Obviously, like you don't have, like you don't take care of your fish. Well, it's probably gonna die one day. There, there you it go. is. And the next day, dead. Dead. That's what happened with my plants. I uh, got worried that I was neglecting them too much, overcompensated, and then they finally died. <laughs> <laughs> you were giving them just enough to hang on. Just enough. They were fine, as it turns out. My love killed them. <laughs> I smothered them. Well, we're not going to smother you any longer. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed this episode of Married to the Idea. I'm kind of using someone else's uh, outro. Um, <laughs> if you guys want more information about the the mouse uh, graphic novel program, or uh, if you want to donate, we will have the links below or in the, the description. Uh, so please be sure to go on there and request a copy if you want one. Or if you are wanting to donate, uh, go check out the GoFundMe uh, so that way you can help other people, this reach other people. Um, And, you know, contact your school board and say, you know, this is not okay, even if you don't live in McMinn County, you know, make them an example. Um, Also, run for school board so you don't, so we don't ban books that don't need to be banned. Mm Mm-hmm. Or just burn your notes after all meetings so no one can ever find out what terrible mistake that you've made so the internet can dogpile on you later. Yeah, exactly. My favorite part of that entire notes was at the very end, they say, okay, so what are we going to do about the other books on the list that have swearing or inappropriate context or stuff like that? And they're like, that's a discussion for another day. And then they left. And I just, yeah. (laughs) 
So they spent enough time to say, okay, Mouse is out, but then all these other things, nah, they're okay. My librarian at school is awesome. Rock'em Sock'em Robot's awesome. But there are a lot of people out there who still think graphic novels are not viable means of storytelling, just like animated kids' movies aren't viable means of storytelling. Yeah, I don't want to see no goddamn cartoon. Like, Mm -hmm. at this point, get over it. Like, people who still think that superhero movies are not worth their time, get over it. You may not like them. That's perfectly fine. If you don't like them, that's fine. But I have had so many people in my life who have started reading or only read graphic novels, but they still get enjoyment on it. Because you know what? They're fucking reading. Yes, if someone are. wants to go and read Goosebumps, you fucking let them. If they want to read Amelia Rules, you let them. Stop yucking on other people's yum, man. Stop it. Get, get help. help. So be sure to go help Nirvana. Get this message or get this to the people that want to get it. And if you want it, you got to want it and you got to need it. And (laughs) if you want it, reach out to Nirvana, reach out to their Facebook page and, uh, and check out our show on Nirvana tomorrow's comics today. Uh, we try to help them out by promoting the upcoming comics of the week. So I think I've promoted on the back end enough. What do you think, Liz? I think it's time to wrap this baby up. All right. Well, until next time, she's been Elizabeth. He's been Aaron. And And we're we're married married to the idea. idea.